Hello and welcome. It's been a while. How you been? I'd like to welcome y'all to season three. Who would have thought we would have made it? The podcast. You all know what it is. Budding enthusiasts, that is you. Thanks so much for joining me. It's your boy, Heavy Days. Here for the newest episode, and on this episode we are joined by the one and only Trichome Jungles. Thank you so much. As always, number one businesses in the game. See it here now. You know where they are, you know where to get the fill. Whenever you got that craving, they got that scratched, fix the itch. Your only seed bank that offers guarantee on satisfaction, not just germination. Hit them up. And as always, the good people at 420 Australia and Organic Gardening Solutions holding it down in the big land down under. And a special, special thank you to our friends at Dragonfly Earth Medicine. That light that leads the way. On this episode, Trichome Jungle, I said it before, you ready for it? Part two, get that hitter. Here we go. Alrighty, so here we are again, my friends. Part two with a good friend of mine, the guy who I like to chat with a lot. Big thank you and welcome to Banana Man from Trichome Jungle Seeds. Nice to be back on the show again. Um, Yeah, been looking forward to this. How you been, my friend? Yeah, really good, really good. Um, yeah, just been uh, spending a lot of time, um, yeah, on my own a lot lately. Um, and, uh, yeah, just uh, being with the plants and, yeah, just doing my thing, really enjoying the time by myself. That's awesome, dude. I see that um, you were on holiday not too long ago. What was that about? Yeah, we uh, we did a little trip to India. Me, Sonic Seeds, uh, a few other guys. Um, a guy from Afghanistan. Um, he's on Instagram. Um, Afghan Black Honey. He came out from Afghanistan. Um, he's got big farm out there. Um, so that was really good. Um, met up with some Indian guys. We went up to Milana. Um, yeah, just all round, absolutely amazing experience. Got to go to the fields and um, yeah, select our own seeds. Found some really special smelling things. Things ranging from like melons and grapefruit to like berries and that amazing, absolutely amazing. Wow, so what was the standout smoke of the trip? Um, we were smoking a lot of charis. Um, mainly so we um, few friends we, there was some we got some brought some gelato with us and things like this and a few different Moroccan hashes to show the farmers there and that so um, yeah but the the charis up, up in that like altitude and smoking from the chillum um, yeah it's a total different high really really um enjoyable um like 
everybody's sort of like you're smoking the chillum and everybody's talking there's like a really nice energy from the, from smoking the hash as well yeah beautiful so do you feel like it's it's almost kind of like more satiri like it kind of sounds like you're saying like it's kind of social and energetic oh this is the thing right like yes okay the, the more fresher stuff seems to be like more energetic but anything that's been cured for a while especially the previous year's charis that they'd cured. Yeah, when I was smoking that, I, I couldn't help but just fall asleep. Yeah? Like, so one day, I think I had two naps after smoking it. So, it was that, that stuff was super strong. So, I think it depends on the curing process a lot. And even from field to field and farmer to farmer, there was a difference in, in um, the the heirloom varieties that they were cultivating there so yeah there was definitely a different so um depending on who you got the hash from um there would be a difference in high in flavor how it smoked how it burned everything so yeah and were they all growing heirloom varieties or did you see like some kind of random stuff in the mix no, I didn't notice any sort of modern hybrids. Um, maybe like in closer to the cities and stuff like that, maybe you'd see uh, more things like this. Speaking to other people, they seen some stuff like that. But right up where we were going, it was just all stuff that they'd been farming for yeah generations, really. Um, the smells were really unusual in some fields. Um, but you have this underlying um, standard smell that you found a lot everywhere. But then you had variations from that and then the odd unique one when you got to the fields and could really go into the fields. And what was that standard smell kind of like? Like a spice, um, maybe slight aniseed smell um, and a slight berry smell they were the main ones and like in the fields you were finding i'd say about 20 percent were purple and the purple ones had a slight more berry smell but even some of them still had that spicy underlining spicy smell going on but the most unique ones were the one that smelled like watermelon yeah but watermelon sweets okay but it was just one plant just one plant out of the whole field it was just really, really strange. And then I found one that was straight grapefruit pomelo. And I just kept trying to look for more of it. There was only that one plant I could find. And we're talking like out of a field of thousands of thousands. So I was just going around. But the, the, the dominant smell was the spice smell. Spice berries. I think that's the best way to describe it. Like raisins. Raisins. There you go. Like raisins. Yeah, okay. And so, were you looking to collect seeds and were you successful? Yeah. Yeah, so, um, I collected, like, I've labelled them as, like, what they smelled like mainly because um, um, that's what I was trying to find. Um, the growth and other things, I'd, I'd wrote down, but the main things for me were, like, there was one that smelled like Vicks Vapor Rub. Um, there was one that smelled like the grapefruit. Then I did a selection for 
purple types, um, purple calyx, uh, purple leaf, um, ones for red stems, um, and a few other ones that were like green varieties, but with that typical sort of spiced smell that the usual ones. Um, but like you could see a big difference even, even in the growth of the plants as you were going up much, much higher. Like when you're going from like a thousand uh, feet higher up and then you took another 500 and like you were seeing a big difference in the growth. You know, things were getting smaller as you were getting higher up. Okay, so kind of becoming like more squat? Not squat as such, but smaller in, in, in structure, in, in height and stuff like that, yeah. yeah. Um, but they, they, they weren't um, like anything like an indica, even though they're a hash plant. Um, but then once I've seen the seeds being grown out back here, they look more indica, okay? So I think... Um, the way that they grow the plants so close together and when they're in full flower, the leaves tend to go a little bit more thinner. And I see this outdoors anyway. You can grow the same thing indoors and outdoors and you see the more true true growth pattern of it outdoors. So if I grow, say, orange soda inside, it doesn't have super thin leaves. But then when you grow it outside, the leaves always come out thinner and you can see it's a real sativa. And it looks like a sativa, like that Christmas tree type of structure. The the growth conditions and how they farm them and all of this really, yeah, plays a big role on how the plant looks as well. What was the highest you went up to eventually? Uh, two and a half thousand. I think that's what we went up to. I'd have to double check on my notes and stuff like that because as we were going up, I was, you know, writing down the altitude and things like that at certain points where I'd get in the seeds and stuff like this. That's that's the good thing about these um, smartphones. One of my friends had a smartphone so we could like just keep checking everything where we were and stuff like this. It's really good. We can even dot it down on the GPS if you really wanted to so you could dot the locations where you ex- exactly found them. Yeah, yeah just geopin it. That's sick. Yeah, okay, so what's the end goal with these Landry seeds? Obviously, you probably do a seed increase, but what do you want to work it into? Yeah, okay, so um, the also while we were there, the guy from Afghanistan, he brought some Afghan seeds with him, okay? Um, now, I don't know if you've checked his page. Have you seen his page, this uh, Afghan Kush Black Honey? Yeah, boy. Yeah, okay, he's got some amazing amazing plants there so i've just been growing some of those seeds out and um, i found a really nice male and i've pollinated it with the bubba kush the cherry cookie the sour neo mandarina so <clears throat> that's what i'm going to be doing next is <clears throat> sorry um testing them out and seeing how they come out um and working that afghan into some maybe some other lines i'd like to do some selections from the indian thing um stuff i've collected and work the afghan into some of them as well so i think that's going to be a lot of testing and yeah it's going to be really interesting yeah just just learning always this plant teaches me so much it's, it's like truly like a teacher plant um 
I've learned so much from it, you know, from electrics and photography and growing plants, nutrition, everything you can possibly imagine. I think so many people forget this and just see the money nowadays instead of like having that real passion to learn about this plant. Yeah, yeah right. Well, I mean, the adventure you described, there's a lot of passion involved in that. But I just wanted to quickly ask, like, how do you feel having had these kind of worldly experiences with cannabis? How does it make you perceive just everyday cannabis now? Does it just hammer home that feeling of like the whole polyhybrid thing or is it just refreshing? Um, I still love polyhybrids, but I think when you're talking about real breeding, um, it's like the, the scene nowadays, it's like loads of people trying to breed from mongrel dogs and expecting something um, like coming out like totally stable. And when I say stable, I, I mean like coming out uniform or looking exactly the same. Yeah, we've got like so much variation in, in our gene pool, um, which is a good thing as well. But I think we really do need to go back towards these... Um, land race things and create maybe like a new skunk number one or something like this so i'd like to definitely work with the indica lines and then maybe when that they've worked work those lines a little bit more out into the city but to create something that's all totally from land race um and that comes out like a, a breeding line should come out but I still love polyhybrids and I love, love the variation and I love using all these different things, even cookies and some cherry pie and things like this. They're, they're, they're all really nice, unique um, terpene profiles. So, yeah, I think I, I love them all really, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. But let's talk making the new skunk. I've tried to bring this up in the past and no one wants to go there with me. We're doing it what genetics would be involved in, quote, the new skunk? What do you think it's going to be? Well, from, there was two ways I was looking at it, basically using two sativa lines and then adding the Afghan to it. Um, but now I'm looking towards more two hash line, two hash plant lines, so like a, a Milana hash plant and an Afghan hash plant. I'm working that line and then adding the sativa to it to, to add that, I don't know, that, that bigger structure, the, the bud structure, the uh, um, calyx to leaf ratio and things like this. So it'd be interesting. But this is all going to be told, like it's all going to be experimental at first because really don't know what the outcome is going to be. I might cross them together and then just totally be like, I really don't like it. I'm going to have to start again. So... But it's all going to be really interesting. I think I'd either use Af- the Afghan's got to go in there. I think that's a, that's a key, a main key to so many things from the past. And then maybe some of the sativa I'd use would be probably something from South America. Yeah, like a Wakan type of thing. Uh, yeah, like something like an maybe Acapulco Gold type of strain. Does it exist anymore? Does it exist? I think I think things could be found from the areas, and we could things can be found in them. I think it can be it can be done. The one thing I have got from really old seeds 
on my Malawi seeds that a friend collected from, for me from Malawi. So that would be another interesting one, African sativa. Um, yeah, again, I, I just really need a nice big um, greenhouse and one, two years to just grow out the suitcase of seeds that I've got of all the different things. So that, that's going to be the next plan, the next plan. Maybe Caribbean. The Caribbean's looking good at the moment. Yeah, okay, cool, cool, cool. So out of uh, the genetics we haven't spoken about, you know, non-land race stuff, what's some of the new stuff you're excited to work with? Um, my Some of the new things I'm working with, the Sour Neo is going to be something really special that's going to be the next sort of new release. But from what I released from... Last year and that is the lilt. Everyone's really loving that. And the cherry spice. Um, they're just both absolutely amazing. Cherry spice is probably my favourite after the sour near. And the lilt is just so unusual. But the lilt, like, people have been asking a lot, like, what's in the lilt and stuff like that. And the, the father was a jungle kush. And the mother was a cross of pineapple and something else so that come from sonic and that and that's something that i didn't mention too much about in the last one actually like you were asking about some of the uk clones and stuff like that the uk pineapple was a real special uk clone but after like so many years it lost something it was like um some sort of genetic drift happened or something i think tissue culture might have been able to bring that back though so I've been looking into that a lot lately. That's interesting. Have you heard of the concept of like a plant being dudded? Yes. This is what Sonic told me about. I was. That's where I said to him, maybe the tissue culture can help this out because then if it's some sort of illness that someone's got uh, in their plants, it, it, it can be removed with tissue culture. So... I don't know if the dudding thing can happen. I think he was telling me Bodhi was talking to him about it. Yeah, dude. Bodhi was the one who told me about it. It's like, it's it, you can look it up because, uh, so the backstory is that a lab today uh, or yesterday, I think it was, put up a post saying that um they've got like this patent pending process where it's basically, you know, meristem culturing. But they reckon that, yeah, they can definitely undo a plant that's dudded. And and what dudding is, is like there's this actual, um, I think it's a bacteria, it might be a virus it's or even a fungi. I don't know. I'll, I'll just cover all my bases. Um, it's it's one of them. And, and the government like literally was spraying it over California for a while. And if it gets in your plant, it just gets in the systemic system and the plant's just fucked forever. And like they they just won't really flower. They got no vigor. It's like an actual virus. You can look it up. So that's great. You said that right about the government, right? Because there was one show. I can't remember the show, but they was talking about the government releasing broad mites or another type of mite next to the roads, so they kill the weeds, and that that way they don't have to spray pesticides that harm the bees. Okay. Yeah. But. They've been releasing these in places where people grow weed in America. And then now all of a sudden they're having big problems with broad mites and stuff like that. And it just like, just seems like 
it's just crazy that they would even release them like that. Do you see what I mean? Like you oh, saying yeah. about this. They definitely did it. And what they would also do is, I think I read a little bit about this and they would go along every so often and spray some pesticides on the mites like to kind of fight them at bay. And so they just bred like the Borg themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is it. Just resistant. You see it, you see it like even in Holland and places like this where the mites built a resistance to so many different sprays. Um, and yeah, this is what, what what will happen. So, yeah. All right, we better pull it back in before we go to Alex Jones on this. So the lilt seems to be extremely popular, you know, and you mentioned the unique terpene profile. How would you describe the terpene profile? And are you going to kind of find a male and work it forward? Um, yeah, well, I'm going to definitely work the line. Um, but at the moment, I'm getting really high percentages of the, that phenol. So I'm, I was really happy with that release. Um, and everybody seems to be getting... Um, from a 10-pack, they'll be getting at least four of the phenos like the mother. And the other things are maybe like a slight watered-down version, tropical thing. Some people are finding like a slight fruity, tropical, cushy thing. That one was really nice. I've, I found that one was almost better than the actual mother because it had this like cushy with the tropical taste, which was really, really nice. But the main flavour from the lilt is like, if you get a tropical juice, which has got passion flower and pineapple in it, that's the dominant smell that I smell off the plant. And while the plant is growing, it's by far the smelliest plant that you'll come across in your room. But in a sweet, gentle sort of, not like a strong, stinky way. It's such a, a beautiful smell. I just love going into the room and literally just smelling it. It's just so unique. Um, and then when it comes out as a dried bud, the smell is um, less in your face and a little bit more subtle. But where, when you smoke it, you're left with this like tropical taste on the tongue, like a tropical juice. Sonic says it's like tin tropical fruits. That's how he describes it. And I describe it like a tropical juice. Interesting. And so do you have any kind of plans in the works with Sonics or are you guys just kind of trading clones? No, yeah, we're definitely going to be doing um, more work together in the future. Um, And he's going to be definitely bringing out more pineapple crosses, looking at the Cali Schnapple, um, the Persang. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of uh, Sonic stuff coming out over the next year. Sweet. And so do you plan to continue working with the Mandarina or is that kind of doing its thing on the back burner while you do some little and other things? Um, yeah. Um, everything takes so much time and space and stuff like this. So, yeah, sometimes you have to just put something aside for the time being. But the Mandarina will be, the next lot will be a feminized cross um, to bring back like, the orange soda, the gingerbread, um, what else was there? The mandarina kush. And I think maybe I can imagine a lot of them being grown out in Morocco and places like this. So, because they, they loved all the hash coming from that. Um, so, yeah, they're great for the hash production and stuff like this. Hell yeah. So... 
The Jungle Kush hybrids, in general, appear to be going pretty well received. What's your overall impression of them in retrospect? Like, if you could only kind of recommend one to me, which one would you recommend besides the little obvious choice? Cherry Spice. That would be the one. I should put a caveat and rule that out as well. Okay, something else. Um, what am I really liking? I've already said about the Sour Neo. I'll go into more detail about the Sour Neo. Um, <laughs> sour Neo, that's something really special. Um, okay, so that was made using um, Horty Labs Sour Power um, clone and the Sour Diesel which was selected by Karma from Res Dogs uh, IBL Sour Diesel. Oh, that's the one he's done that BX2 with. Yes. So um, at the time when we were working together, that's when those seeds were made and they were like a little limited release. Um, so I did a selection from those seeds, but they were all coming out very like sour, but then there was one very unique one. Um, which had this like sour twang, but it smells like grapefruit slightly when it's growing. But then when it finishes off, you can't really smell the grapefruit in it anymore. And it turns into this like sour antiseptic smell, which is like, uh, it's absolutely amazing. That's what I'm smoking, some of the outdoor from last year of this. And that's probably my favorite. It's not the prettiest plant to look at like structure wise, but the flavor like is amazing and the extract made from it is amazing the high is so strong um like you smoke a few joints of that in the evening and you're you're having the best sleep of your life like um yeah all around uh great plant um and i've crossed that with my jungle kush to make the sour neo um so that that's a a real special one the jungle kush male as well is just not very dominant in the crosses so you get mainly the phenos from the mother side of things so when i crossed it with a passion uh flower everything comes out like smelling like that tropical passion flower sort of smell and the when i crossed it with the cherry cookie everything comes out like that cherry cookie type of thing so it's 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 a really good male to use um, like I always, I've used it to cross with a few other things to make like um, the Rian. Um this was like a so the first line was Rosewater Cookie that's what Rian is that was crossed with the Jungle Kush to make the 100 hand slap and then a male from the 100 hand slap was used to go back to the Rian to make the back cross and um that's 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 like a new line that I'm just releasing. I've also got a clone that I selected, which is a Rian clone, and that's been passed around as well. So we should see a lot more of that around this this coming year. Hell yeah! And how would you describe the profile on that? Um, like uh, okay. Some people say it's like the Mac, but with a bit more terps. Okay, but like how I would describe it is like slight berry but with like this cookie thing in the background um, but you can definitely taste that there's like there's some like almost cush in there it's 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 a, it's a nice um, 
nice, but it's not dominant in any one one thing. Like it's not just pure gas or it's not just pure Kush. You can taste all these different undernotes with it. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a great one, and I named that after my mother because just when you grow it in the room, it just it just stands out from everything else. The growth pattern on it is a little bit more unusual. All the branches sort of all come up to a set sort of uh, place, and it stays. Um, doesn't branch outwards. It doesn't like to grow wide. Quite a sort of slender type plant. Right, interesting. And so, the question I always have to ask: What kind of techniques are you using to kind of identify your breeding males? Um, I think one of the main things with I think selecting the males, especially over time. Yeah, because you've grown so many different plants over the years, like I've probably grown thousands of different plants and different smells and structures and stuff like that. So you get to see so much. So I think a lot of it just comes from past um, experience, past knowledge, um, feeling. Um, and then obviously after all of that, the stem rub, the structure of the plant, what I'm looking for. If If I'm looking for a a short structure and I want to make something with a short structure then I'm going to select a male with that more shorter structure so like little simple things like this um, but I think um, genetically is one of the main things I, the, the male has to have come from um, plants that the females are all very stable in that they're all very similar so then you know that the male is going to be very similar to the females. If you're picking a male from a pack of seeds that has got so many different variations and phenos, um, then it's going to be harder to select, especially a terpene profile from that male. So I think a terpene profile is one of my main things with my last lots of breeding that I've been doing. So I'm trying to get... If it's something is, is like lilt, then I want them all to be like lilt and smelling tropical. If I want uh, the cherry spice, I want them all with that cherry spiced gas sort of smell. So that's, that's the lines I sort of go down. Yeah, okay. So how many seeds do you like to pop when you're looking to find your new male? It varies. Um, so I, I can select a male from one one packet of seeds because I'm usually picking a male from something that I've created myself. So I already know both parents that have been grown out from many generate like yeah many years, and um, I know those plants like like the back of my hand. I know how they've worked previously. So um, when when I'm using stuff, it's normally stuff that I've already made myself. So I think that, that that's a, that's a big thing. So, what about if you're going to use someone else's stock? How many packs would you want to grab? Well, at least a couple of packets. But then, if if I'm not finding really good um, females from one packet, do I really want to use a male from that packet to see what what I'm saying? But obviously, as if you're going to do a nice selection, I'd be like thirty plants to do a nice selection okay and then as like a bit of a follow up to that how many seeds of each strain if you had to guess would you say generally get pop before you would say a strain is ready for market 
Okay, yeah. Once, once I've I've grown it out, and two or three friends have said they really like it, then that's that's like ready to go. Um, like the last ones, all them were really just tested by me and one friend. Um, the previous ones, they were done by a lot more people. Um, but I'm finding when I do actually ask people to test things, some people can be quite slow. So I'm, I'm literally just quicker to test things myself. Um, so as long as I, I'm getting, I test a couple of packets and I'm getting really nice things from a couple of packets, um, I'm happy with that. But then <clears throat> when I want to start writing down percentages of phenotypes and stuff like that, that's only going to come with more time. Um, I'm really limited by space, to be honest. Um, otherwise, I would like to be um, starting a lot more seeds. Yeah. You raise a really interesting point there because a lot of breeders seem to be doing pretty much exclusively in-house testing, much to the same reason you gave, that testers are kind of inconsistent these days. How do you feel about the idea that, you know, a lot of packs that get sent out to be tested just end up being added to someone's seed bank? Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say how much how much I've sent out of, like, test seeds and free seeds, but we're talking, like, a lot, a lot, a lot, and a small fraction of the percentage actually get grown out and stuff. It's, it's quite sad. Um, I find Spanish guys are really good. They'll get a packet of seeds and they'll grow them out, yeah? Um, in the UK, if they get something for free, yeah, yeah, that goes in their seed drawer. But if they paid five hundred dollars for that packet, that's getting popped straight away. So um, I'm definitely going to be doing a different way of testing when I do to the public. I'm going to be using Breedbay in the future a lot more, which is a forum that we used to use. Um, I think I think it's now is the sort of time to maybe push that a little bit more and start spending a bit more time on there. I think people are trying to grow from Instagram and places like this where there's not enough knowledge and like they need a place where people are happy to share knowledge, um, not going to like be horrible to the person if they ask a silly question because we were all young, we were all learning at one point. So, you know, um, I think a place like that's needed right now. So for, for expert growers and new growers, so everybody can learn from each other. And a place where I can offer like little limited releases to people to test out um, uh, new um, lines uh, that I'm about to release and I want them to just grow them out. Even if I've tested them already, it's good for other people to see it and see what they think. So I think breed is going to be the place where a lot more of this is going to be done and it would be good to see people grow them out and do little grow logs. That's what we used to do a lot more um, years ago. You'd see people grow them out. They'd be talking about how, what pH they're, um, uh, they're feeding them out, how many milliliters of this nutrient, how many mils of that nutrient, exactly their temperatures. And they'd show it every week, they'd update. And I think that's needed now. Um, especially for anybody that's serious about growing, serious about 
um, even breeding in the future once they've collected a really nice library and tested all their stuff out. Um, um, and to share knowledge, like there's, there's so many things that I've learned over the years and yeah, I'm, I'm happy to share all of this with people. So I think Breedbay is going to be the new place for this. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's hard to get people back on forums because it's like the idea has been thrown around a lot, but it seems like you need more than just the forum to get people on there. Do you think there'll be like other breeders kind of getting on there which would incentivize it? Well, okay, Bodie's already on there. He's got his own little uh, page. A lot of people don't even know this. And Professor P from Dynasty, he used to be on there. He, he, he's still got his own section. So all these guys will be posting a lot more on there. I'm going to be going back there. Sonic's going to be there. Um, so I think it's going to be um, yeah, an interesting little place, a little community. Let's see if it can get it going like it used to be. I think there's enough new growers and people that are serious about growing that would like to join. And yeah. yeah okay. And he's got a little chat. We've even got a little chat room on there. So every day people come in, have a chat in the little room, any questions, they can see who's online, they can ask a little question and get get the answer without anybody else coming on and being horrible or missing the post because you post a post on Instagram, but nobody really looks past a couple of posts and things like that. People are just flicking nowadays. Whereas people want to be able to go back somewhere, look at it and learn something. I think this is missing. I think that people need to be learning more, reading more. Yeah. So I think it's time. We we shall see. Yeah. Okay. Sounds G. Kind of on that topic. Do you have any plans to try to get your genetics out, kind of more into the international distribution streams? Yeah. Um, well, Benson Elvis, which is like a big farm in America, and um, they already grow the orange soda, mandarina kush, um, they're doing the lilt now. They're going to be doing more of the jungle juice and they're popping the cherry spice and things like that next. And they've been getting um, their product made into extract and, yeah, they're all loving it over there. I think just more people need to try it. I think once more people try it, then we're going to see this um, um, burst of... uh, Tricum jungle turps. There's there's been a lot more people growing out the lilt lately, so there's been some nicer uh, batches of batches of it available in some of the social clubs in Barcelona and stuff like that. So that's been really good to see. Um, I've even seen mandarina kush on the menu in Amsterdam, and they said that lilt will be there soon. So that's really nice as well. Yeah, these these are the little things that make me smile. Like when people. Um, uh, uh, enjoy the love and work that I put into everything so yeah hell yeah so kind of in that same vein this is one I've been pondering a bit myself lately do you believe like a breeder's responsibility over their genetics extends past the wholesaler like for example if someone has an issue with your seeds is it kind of your job or the wholesaler's job to fix that one no I always tell the wholesaler to tell them to send me a message direct on Instagram or my email, um, because um, that way, like, I, 
I, I try to answer every single message that I get because um, I know what it was like when I was a much younger and stuff like that. And if I was able to speak to breed, I think that would be would have been an amazing thing. So if someone's growing out my seeds and they've paid money to to buy those seeds and support me, I think it's a little bit part of my job to try my best to answer as many questions as I can. But if someone is going to write me a question, I prefer to actually, if they write me a question, not just like, hi, how are you? Like, it's hard to go through so many messages. But if there's a question there that I can look, read it through a couple of days later, okay, that's it, answer that question, That that's much easier for me. Um, but yeah, um, I enjoy doing it as well, especially if I have the extra time. Yeah, I don't mind doing it at all. Yeah, okay. So, how do you handle complaints by customers? Like, if someone were to contact you and said they'd grown your gear out and they'd have some sort of issue, maybe let's say it's like hermed out or whatever, is your first response to kind of like, you know, see if maybe something's up with the garden? Um, okay. Um, yeah, I don't really too many get too many. But see, somebody might uh, message me saying about germination. Okay, I get this a lot, germination. Now, all my seeds are fully tested. I test them, like, on a regular basis as well. And they, they, there's no problem with germination. Now, I will ask the person, like, you know, try and figure out what their problem was. I see in winter time, we, we get a lot more problems with germination. So it just shows that it is environment stuff. But I will try to send them a couple of extra seeds to try and make up for that just so they're happy. I want everybody to be happy. Um, if someone said to me something hermed and they sent me some pictures and all of this, um, I might be inclined to send them a packet so they are happy at the end. But um, I think a lot of things comes down to environment. Um, we grow out so many uh, different varieties ourselves. You must come across this yourself, even in packs that have been you've grown out grown out and then maybe you might find one that earns or puts out some bananas it does happen especially if you're using things like sour diesel um cherry pie things like that which have a tendency to do it so um yeah it happens um and if i can send them a packet of seeds and make them happy then i, I will do this yeah Yep, cheers, Grandma. But uh, anyway, um, what type of lighting are you using at the moment? Um, Gavitas. Um, just because um, I got them a couple of years ago, um, just st still using them at the moment. Um, when I get my new place, that will they'll be changed. Um, I've been looking into some LEDs at the moment as well because um, I'm seeing some quite good results for them. I'd like to just try them out myself, just just as a little test. Um, I think that could be something good for the future with the energy consumption and stuff like this. But um, outdoors is um, is the way, using the sun. Yeah. So how are things in Spain at the moment? Is the laws evolving to kind of cater more to breeders or is it still a case of like, you know, out of sight, out of mind type of thing? Yeah, like that, basically. Um, I've had a few little run-ins and yeah, not the best of luck to be honest. Um, but uh, yeah, 
they're still far from being legal out here. So far from it. But it's like Amsterdam, isn't it? Like they have all that in the coffee shops, but how it's produced is all a grey area, isn't it? So. Hmm. So. What country would you recommend aspiring breeders to look to if they were going to relocate? Because people often talk about Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, Spain is, is definitely going to be uh, the future, I, I can see it. But for, for, for at the moment, yeah, I, I think there's still a long way to go. But then you look to America and they've gone legal there and everyone's like, oh, no, they've gone legal now. So it... I think how Spain's got it with the clubs, I think they just need to be accepted. If they can be um, accepted by a, a court of law and uh, the production for the clubs can be accepted and some papers can be brought in, so it's almost like decriminalising it to some extent, um, I think that could really work. Yeah, okay. So, with that being said, do you see a viable future for a person from like a currently illegal country to move to Spain, try to set themselves up, create themselves a job in the industry over there, or do you just think it's too prohibitive to just do that? Um, I think anybody should come out to Spain first and um, check it out and see how they feel about it. Spend a few weeks here. Um see the clubs speak to the people and I think you you can most people would be able to judge it themselves and how they feel about the situation so do you approach it with the view of like a producer or a breeder because in my mind it seems like you could just kind of be off in the background doing your own thing and hopefully no one bothers you right yeah that's what I try to do but then um I, I live really out in the country, so it's it's a tiny little place, and I stand out a little bit, and um, yeah, was, I've drawn attention to myself, and the police have asked questions and stuff like this, and so I've I had to pack things down and move them, and it's been a lot of hassle for me, yeah? but it's it's worked out good in the end, but yeah, it's a lot of uh, a lot of work. Um, how how it's portrayed on the internet like Spain's this totally legal place and you can grow weed here and stuff like that was, uh, was how it was portrayed to me when I first moved here and I found out very quickly that it wasn't like that yeah okay so I want to play devil's advocate for a moment here if for some reason you had to leave Spain and move to another country which one would you move to? Canada you say that like you're ready to do it right now. Um, I don't know. Like, I think Canada sort of does appeal to me. I can't see myself going there to live, though, to be honest. Um, I like the sunshine in Spain. I like the weather. The people are really nice. Um, yeah, so I can't see myself moving, moving to Canada. But I think if anybody is free to do what they they want and they're looking at moving to a, a country. I think Canada, there, there could be a lot of opportunities in Canada coming up. So, I mean, given you are a breeder in Spain, 
a little bit unrelated, but kind of, is there the same explosion of breeders over there in the same sense that we see in America and the rest of the world? Um, yeah, there has been a little bit, um, but I'm seeing some people there getting like as many sort of clones as they can together, um, or even just plants that other people have selected, and then um, pollinating them with with a male, and or reversing a plant and pollinating them, and then selling the seeds not tested never grown out any of the parents and i'm just like it's just it's just for real so yeah like it's there's there's a lot of people making seeds now um and putting any any names and yeah it's, it's all gone a bit crazy to be honest um is that what you sort of mean like lots of such slight seed companies popping up with no te- real testing and stuff like this yeah, I mean, that's definitely one part of it. But I was also curious, sometimes you hear about like big seed producers over there. Like I think Dynafem does something over there or something like that. Like, do you know anything about that? Yeah, no, I don't know too much about that. But I, I can imagine, yeah, there's a lot of people over here producing seeds for their companies and stuff like this. So, yeah. Yeah, interesting. There's The horror stories always relate back to Spain somehow. Yeah, yeah. No, there's a, a lot of um, uh, people use Spanish guys uh, to make their seeds. Um, yeah, many many of the big companies. Yeah, that's it. So while we're on the topic of going through seeds, making parents, how many plants do you tend to cull before you find like a keeper female? And when you find your kind of clone onlys. Does it happen often from a 10-pack or given you're at like, you know, the higher breeder level, do you do these larger scale searches? No, you can do all your selection from a 10-pack. Um, it all depends on what you're using though. So, like I said before, if you're not finding really great things from a 10-pack, like, yeah, you, you want to be finding some real nice stuff. Um, obviously, if you're starting then from... Uh, you find something special and you really want to look down that line more, starting another 50, 100 seeds of that one type is worth doing to find something really special again and work that line. Um, I'm going to be doing a lot more work with a, a lilt male soon, so there'll be a lot of lilt hybrids. I've just done the lilt with the jungle kush, but then this is more like a little bit of a, a back cross so it's more watered down. You get like this fruity cush thing coming out. So, but I definitely want to add the the lilt with a, a few different things I've got planned, um, and then from them do some selection and work the lines. The same as I'm going to do with the Afghan hybrids. We'll see how they come out in the first generation. But I think each line is going to really need to be worked to find something um, to get something that you can release. I forgot to ask, what were the females of the Afghan line like? Okay. Um, okay, the males smell much better than the females. <clears throat> the male had this, like, uh, grapefruit smell going on, but the females were more on, like how I said about the Indian spiced aniseed smell. You had this thing, I could smell it in the Afghans as well. So it's like this, uh, it just reminds me of, like, a lot of old school stuff that I've had before 
even my nap that I had in the past, which made the mantis, that had that aniseed, like Hindu Kush type smell going on. So, um, yeah, it's definitely definitely along those lines. And do you have any information about what area the Afghans came from? Yeah, they're from Balkh province uh, near Mazar Sharif. Um, but we've got, like, I've got some here, but then between all of us now, he, he sent a lot more. So we've literally got seeds from every province and place in Afghanistan. And which one excites you the most? The ones that I've got at the moment, to be honest. But then I'm going to be getting a few different uh, different ones. So we'll see. Like some people are getting ones that are like a lot more cabbage looking like the leaves, like really, really fat. So, and those ones were the, oh, do you know what? I'd have to go and look because I can't remember right now. But that's somebody else that was growing them that I seen on Instagram. But from the same farmer, but he collected them from another farm in another uh, area. So, yeah, I think this year is going to be the year of the Afghan. There's going to be a lot of Afghan seeds being grown out from different areas. So it's going to be really interesting to see. I'm already seeing so many different variations from the different people growing them. So, Have you ever thought of, like, rounding up a whole bunch of Afghan clones kind of doing like what Bodhi did with like the deep line alchemy and like just hitting all these Afghans with like this cool Afghan male. Yeah, I think there could be a, a lot of different things going on and people sharing a little bit of pollen so they can hit this one and things like this. Yeah, this is this will be happening. Cool, cool. And so what type of sativas do you want to hit with the Afghan eventually? Um, yeah, I'm, the Malawi seeds, I'm definitely going to pop them. Um, and some of the South American stuff. We'll see how they come out. But I think Malawi, I don't know, there's just something about that pack of Malawi that's just crying to me to pop them, so we'll, we'll see what happens with them. And I don't think I ever asked, what would you use as the final sativa component for your skunk? Um, I don't... I, I don't know that. Maybe, maybe something South American again, or a Thai. It all depends. It all depends. Um, but we've got so many different things to go through. Um, like on on the trip to India, there was like not just me, Sonic. There was a guy hit from Himalayan Connection. Some other guys. Um, so they've also got some real nice stuff in their collection and things like this. So. Uh, we, we, we've got so many different things to pick from we've got like some real nice sativas even from India and stuff like that so yeah um, the, the library is, uh, is is very big at the moment between all of us okay so just to kind of play devil's advocate then again what type of genetics would you like to see come back into kind of the community that kind of aren't really around at the moment um, some more nice, really fruity things. Just uh, things with uh, something a little bit more unusual terpene profile. Um, I don't think there's any like particular line I'd like to bring back. I'd like to see a lot more, uh, maybe some Masonic's uh, pineapple hybrids. He had one called Pine Queen, 
which was absolutely amazing. If he brings that back, it'll blow people's minds. It was such a beautiful plant. So, um, yeah, I'd like to see some of them. From the old school, I'd like to see some hash plants coming back. That's why I'd like to uh, work with the Afghans and the uh, Milana plants so we can uh, make a nice hash plant. Yeah, definitely. And so do you feel like it's inherently a part of those plants that you get kind of that more CBN, more sedative type of high or not necessarily? Yeah, no, that's what I'm looking for in, in this hash plant type thing. Something that literally you, you get halfway down that spliff and it just knocks you out. You want to go to sleep. That's what I'm looking for. Um, that's why I think it's going to be interesting with the Bubba Kush because the Bubba Kush has got that more medicinal sedative type of high to it especially if you just flower it out that extra week like it's such a beautiful smoke and i've crossed that with the afghan so um spanabis is 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 next week so um a week after so um i might take a few of those seeds with me to give out to a couple of people to test out um gonna do like uh release of the lilt again there because they just sold out so fast everybody went crazy for them yeah so doing another release of them and then um i'll probably be working the line a lot more then and doing some nice little hybrids are you gonna have your own booth at spanners no no i'm not gonna be doing a booth um most of the booths have been already like taken and that so <clears throat> I'm just doing like I did um, the previous year where I'll do a, an, an evening event in a club each night. So Friday night in one club, Saturday night in another club and the final night in a, another club and just do little um, seed release there. And it's good, actually. It's a little bit more personal. People are coming there to like sort of see you and that. So it's nice to talk to the people, sit down, show them some of the different um flower and stuff like this um yeah it's it was a really good evening so i'm doing it in three different clubs this year but i'll oh. still be at the expo in the daytime sounds like you're gonna have to swing by my buddy lucky dog seeds get some chem dog yeah okay is he there is he yeah yeah skunk va okay do you know what number booth is that you have to send me in a message after if you find out yeah dude go get some of them hybrids my friend sent me a bud shout out burke um a while back and i only just finished smoking it today it was so strong it just lasted me forever okay nice nice yeah i love to check them out is there anyone else you want to check out there um <clears throat> oh, do you know what i i just it's i got tend to go just to meet up with uh old friends and um some new friends and stuff like that so um, there's never ever enough time to see everybody there's always somebody that I miss and stuff like that so I'll try and see as many people as possible there's a few clubs that have got some lilt and stuff like that in there so they told me to come by have a look at it so yeah it'll be interesting it'll be nice to um, see what people have produced from the seeds from last year and stuff like this yeah are there people like like selling clones there and stuff like in the states or not really no nothing like this no so just like flower and concentrate mm, yeah you've, you've got to go to 
just one of the social clubs be, be a member of the clubs and then you can get access to that but most people sort of like bring their own little bit of smoke and smoking everyone's smoking quite openly um, it's quite a re- relaxed environment but I've heard High Times have just bought it out so Spanabase now has been bought by High Times hmm. so from this year on it's going to be High Times or Spanabase High Times whatever I don't know how they, what they'll call it <clears throat> but yeah I could see it probably changing a little bit after this year and so how do you feel about High Times owning it you think like whatever or not good whatever but I can't see it being um, uh, well previous things it's just it all changes isn't it and then it all everybody it's just all about whoever pays the most gets gets the cup and all of this sort of stuff it's just all changes so um, for 2020 span of this time a um, few people I know are going to put a nice little cup on at the same sort of time so that's going to be a nice like um, more transparent cup anyway you'll get to see all the votes and everything so that'll be quite good um, and during Spanabis anyway there's always other little cups on like they've got the Masters of Rosin and uh, what's it what's that um, Legends of Hash that Bubbleman and them always put on so there's always little other events going on so should be good for this year and next year do you ever get sick of any of the egos? Yeah, there's always egos. And it's getting worse. But, yeah, I just laugh. It's good. It makes me smile. And laughing's good for your body. So, <laughs> if people make me laugh, yeah, it's, it's beneficial to me. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine you'd have a blast at one of those events. I'm always smiling, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... How important do you think it is to produce kind of medically potent strains? You know, I'm not just talking about CBD. I mean, kind of like the example that's been weighing in my mind is um, my good buddy Stray Fox. He pointed out that uh, although the pre-98 Bubba is arguably a better smoke, you know, probably no one will dispute that. The Katsu cut, it's far more medicinal, you know. So with that in mind, do you think it's important that we like try to breed with these types of things like for the medicinal value or do you think it's just of kind of inconsequential because the market's just mostly wreck? Um, yeah, I think because like I go down more the flavor and stuff like that because it's more the, I, I, like that's what I like about it so much. But the high really does come into it and the bubba is such a medicinal strain that whenever I um, crossed it into things in the past, I'd always sort of um, put that in the description because every time you added Bubba into things, the height of the, the, the offspring would always come out with that beautiful Bubba type high added to it. And it was, it was definitely felt in the legs, like such a relaxing type of smoke. And, people with back pain and things like this yeah enjoy it so much so i think so many people do use it medicinally but don't realize it we say recreational but if it makes you feel happy and your well-being is good that's medicinal if it helps your stiff joints or you've got a little bit of pain in the neck or it helps you to relax your body after work this is all medicinal 
So I think so many people do actually use it in a medicinal way, but don't actually realise it. Yeah, okay. And so do you think there should be any distinction or do you think just greater education? Greater education, yeah. Um, I think that's the main thing because we even know, even with you're growing something from seed, it's, it's not always going to be exactly how you imagine it. You get different variations in the seeds. Um, so I think educating people about um, all these different compounds, genetics, um, the terpenes, I think that's, that's, that's a, a big thing, yeah. And so what field of research would you like to see cannabis expand more into then? Um, testing. Like, it, like just testing for terpenes and uh, all the other chemicals in the plants. Um, and like, there's just so many things that we come to conclusions, but we can never really um, fully back them up unless we test. So I think seeing a lot more uh, testing and tissue culture, I'd like to see um, how things go with the tissue culture. And like we were talking about getting rid of uh, genetic diseases or getting rid of uh, um, just normal diseases. You, you know, with the tissue culture, you're producing a, a totally clean um, clone of, of, of the mother. So I think that's one good thing. I see so many people passing clones and it's how you pass disease. So one thing that I do not take in is clones. Yeah, so do you just, everything's from seed more or less? Everything's from seed, yeah. So I could actually, I, I, all, everything that I, I use now, the only clone that I have in my library right now is the Bubba Kush. Um... Everything else is clones that I've selected myself from seed originally or new things that I've selected from seeds. And, yeah, so I only do things that I've selected from seeds from now on. It's the, it's the best way, yeah? You know you're, you're, you're clean from any other external influences. So how long will it take you on average before you find a new keeper? Like, for example, if you're doing a crop every, you know, let's just say three months to be on easy number side, you're finding one each cycle, you're finding two, you're finding one every two cycles. What's your numbers like? All depends on, on what I'm starting. Um, uh, so from if I'm starting 10 different varieties, okay, um, I'll find three or four nice keepers, but then the other things are still nice. I'm finding because then I'll, I'll pass them out to people, and they'll be like, oh, "I can't believe you're getting rid of this." And I'll be like, "Well, yeah, it just it's not something that I'm going to use." So, um, yeah, there's so many keepers. Like I'm finding the more different breeders that you pop things from as well. You find so much different flavors and smells. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, so which breeders work are you most excited to look into? 
Um, well, do you know what? I had to, got some stuff from Mad Farmer. He sent me some nice seeds over, and I haven't had the chance because they literally came at the time when I had all the um, problems just after that where I had to move everything. And then after that, I was about to pop them, but I had to just give them a back seat for a little bit because um, I was I had to just pop all my own stuff because things just needed testing. But really, um, I would have liked to have popped some of his seeds. So they're next on the list. But I've got um, a few things that I've picked out for the next run. Um, I didn't... I did a... They were picked out with some other things for a run, but yeah, I just had to, had to test all the other stuff, all the things that I've been making. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Not a bad selection. So, um, I've noticed on your IG that you've been playing around with some kind of cell culturing yourself, something along those lines. What have you been doing? Yeah, it's, I, I class it more like micro-cloning, really. Okay. But... Um, yeah, you're basically taking um, a small amount of the plant tissue and then you grow it in um, a sugar solution. So the plant's making, instead of it doing the photosynthesis and the, getting the sugar from the light, you, you, it's getting the sugar from the solution. As long as you've got no bacteria in there, then the bacteria can't grow on the sugar and eat the sugar. So it's, everything has to be super sterile. That's, that's the main thing with it. Um, and then I'll grow it to tissue stage where it starts to grow leaf tissue. And the the root will calyx up. But then I'll transfer to another solution, which will be then for the root growth. Um, but the reason I got into the tissue culture was because I had to move everything. So when I moved everything, I thought, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to get a tissue culture kit and um, I'm going to do this as an extra backup. So I did two extra backups of tissue culture and moved my mothers to a safe location. So, um, yeah, so it all worked out and I, I, I learned something new and I've been experimenting with that a little bit. Um there's a couple of guys that I'm speaking to on Instagram and one of them is so knowledgeable in this field and he's bringing out a kit very soon and um, I think that's going to be something that um, a lot of people will really enjoy um, using and experimenting. Um, same again, like people looking beyond just the money and want to learn more about the plant or plants in general, the science behind them. And um, I think these kits are going to be amazing for them. And he's got, he's done them so they're in like a little bag and the bag is like a sterile environment, which is going to really help people at the beginning stage of doing tissue culture. So um, I'll be doing a post on my Instagram page about that. And um, I'm sure he'll be have putting some links up about the, the kits and stuff like that so um maybe you can get him to send you one so you can try it out if you've never tried it out yourself what's the success rate on it like oh, well okay 
well, I, I've been getting pretty much 100%, yeah? Okay. Um, the only time I haven't is where I've done little tests. So I got one out and I breathed into the pot, okay, and closed the lid. Just simple things like this are going to contaminate it. So you've got to wear a mask and stuff like this, yeah? So the first batch, 10% uh, got contaminated, okay? The second second time, maybe 5%. And then after that, really, I haven't had any problems. But I've seen even seen it in labs where they've got total sterile environment. They still have 5% sometimes losses and stuff like this. Yeah, no. So it happens in the cleanest of environments. So, um, yeah, but as long as you're you're doing everything super clean, and that's why these kits are going to be really good with the bag. So you've got a sterile environment inside the bag. I think that's going to be really good. Yeah, no, that sounds cool. It sounds like you're kind of getting down to the point where you're almost doing the Meristem culturing yourself. Do you ever plan to do that type of thing or go to labs for it? Well, no, this is what this other guy is. Um, he, he's like been experimenting with all of this stuff. So... And he's even talk, talk, doing like talking about literally cells um, just floating in the solution, and even to the point where maybe even um, breeding in uh, in um, test tubes. So we, we, we'll see how, where it all leads in the future. Breeding in a test tube, geez, IBF seeds. <laughs> It's more, for me, it's more just educating myself and learning these things. Um, um, same again, like this plant is just teaching me so much. Now we're going down the lines of like a total new line of genetics. So, yeah, all um, very interesting stuff here. Learning something new every day. That's another thing I've been really getting into, my, a little bit more creative side. So... Yeah, spending a little bit more time doing that. Um, and the, I don't know if you've seen them, the new Mahakala, just like a little limited thing I've done for Spanabis. So like a little limited seed packet or like little handmade. So they were quite good doing them. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen you. have been getting your little micro carpentry on. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Keeping busy, being creative, keeping the mind busy. So... It's good with the plants and stuff like that, but sometimes we need to uh, express ourselves in other ways and learn. Learning, I think it's good to learn something new every day. That's it. Yeah, dude. I love it, man. I love learning. So, i got some weird questions, but I want to bang them out. So, first one. When will we see a CBD project from you? I'm interested. It's due. Um... Maybe when things change in Spain and um, I can, yeah, I find a location to start doing a lot more growing and breeding. Like the CBD you can actually do out here and stuff like that. And I have some friends that uh, grow legal CBD. And so it might be something in the future that I could work with them. But THC and is one of my main things. It's It's the high... That these plants produce and that that thc and the terpenes is just so special for me um the cbd i think there's other people in other fields that um make good cbd 
I can continue with that. Uh, I'll stick with my uh, terpene-rich THC plants. So, I mean, in a similar idea, how do you think we as a community can cater to the casual smokers? And I mean, like, this is kind of stemming from the fact how I was saying, you know, like, I've cut my consumption down and, God, just like, I, I can't even have more than one hit and I'm just gone. Like, I need that. I'm like, I feel like that old person who's like, weed's too strong these days. So, like... I'm trying to figure out, like, how can you make kind of, like, more tangy type of strains where it, like, tastes good but doesn't destroy you? Well, you you'd like the lilt, yeah? The lilt's like this, yeah? So there are some phenos that you smoke and they just, like, knock you out. But I'd say the majority of the tropical ones um, have this, like, beautiful euphoric high, yeah? People will be smoking it and people will be giggling and that. And I just, I think, I think this is going to be the the perfect strain for summer and how we've got spring coming soon and summer just round the corner I think it's going to be a, a perfect strain for those sunny days and summer activities yeah I think this is what's needed yeah okay so a bit of a weird one but I wanted to ask you your opinion because I think we've spoken about this in kind of the DMs but there was like a scientific paper which came out the other day and it's like actually detailing how you can use cannabis to help people wean off harder drugs like meth and opioids is that any surprise to you at all? No no because I've seen so many people that have been in the cannabis community and ended up growing and this plant again teaching them so much and they changed their, their way of life yeah? and the, the cannabis has given them something else to keep their mind occupied to give them a feeling that they can relax um, and stuff like this so I, I see I've seen it a lot where, where people have had previous uh, drug addictions and they turn to cannabis and it's helped them through even just growing the plant, never mind taking a plant. Yeah, the plant taking a plant has helped them amazingly, but growing it, the whole thing, the therapeutic use and the therapeutic property you get from just gardening, yeah, changing it, a lifestyle. Yeah. Okay. So, what type of grow style have you been using lately? Um. Okay. So, with the um, last batch, these are all on bio tabs with the, with the seeds that I'm doing. And the ones before that were all on cocoa because I was running some tests with pH and stuff like this. Um, the, the Afghans definitely like the, a much higher pH. Yeah. So um, this is a handy thing with Instagram. Both the guy from Milana Village is on Instagram, the farmer, and the guy from Afghanistan. So I can actually like message him or get my other mate to message the other guy in in because uh, he can speak to him in his language and get some answers and that and stuff like this. So that's been quite interesting. But it's not something that they really check is the pH and stuff like that. But from a little bit more discussion, I found that it's much higher pH there. And I found that with growing them here, they just really reacted better with a much higher pH. Yeah, okay, cool. And what other little interesting nicks or quirks have you found about them which you kind of help cater to? Like they're like a higher soil temperature or like medium, I should say? 
Okay, another thing that I was doing with them, I started some of the seeds, okay, left them at low, low level light above the, below the canopy, okay, just to see how they react. And plucked a few out of the soil, stripped the roots down and replanted them, and they still grew here, okay? So yep. it just shows how hardy these plants are. You can pull a plant out of the soil, break all the small tiny roots off where you're just leaving the main tape root, replant it, and the plant carries on growing, okay? So this is just a little test to show how, to see how hardy some of these genetics are that are grown in these places at these altitudes. And I think adding them into some of the, my genetics and growing them outdoors, I think this is where I'm gonna see, I didn't see one bit of powdery mildew in all of their fields. I seen powdery mildew on other plants around them, but not on the cannabis, not one spot anywhere, which was absolutely crazy, I thought. Whereas when people go to Morocco, it's everywhere there. So, um, these hybrids that people grow in places have problems whereas the natural um varieties from from that area don't have the problems so i think this is going to be something to look into resistant strains for the future yeah definitely something of huge interest to a lot of people i want to pull you back to something you said there though the moroccan valley two questions one, do you think a lot of the hash that comes out of there has come from plants with PM? And, and, like, you know, I guess we should be worried. And then the other thing is, have you seen that photo from the DNA guys, how they got, like, that valley in the rift full of, like, kosher tangy or something? Like, how do you feel about that? Yeah, see, well, they had a load of mandarina things, uh, gingerbread out there at one point, and mandarina kush and stuff like this. It's been happening for so long. It was amnesia not long ago. Before that, it was some Pakistani strains that they were growing and Mexican strains and people were also saying and cheese. They were growing loads of cheese out there. So things have been grown out there for a long time. Um, so I think that's just how it is. After the whole hashish thing in, in Morocco isn't like it goes back generation after generation. It, it, it's, it's a... It's a new thing that was started from people bringing seeds back from other hash-producing countries and stuff like this. So, um, yeah, it's just a, a progression, I think, and that's what's going to happen. They want to produce more hash and these hybrids do it. So, yeah, it's happening. You go to Jamaica, it's all hybrids in Jamaica. Um, so, yeah, this happens. How accountable do you hold... Dutch genetics and the Dutch breeders for these issues? Um, well, the, the Dutch seed market was a big part of the market. And at one time, it was only Dutch seeds. There wasn't really any American companies or anybody else around to buy seeds from. So you could say DNA. Are they American or are they Dutch? Yeah, they're American, but their company was in Holland. So, yeah. Um, yeah, they bought seeds where they could buy seeds. It, it doesn't matter if they're from Dutch or from Spanish people, or they'll buy the seeds, I think, to grow out there. And what I've even heard that they grow the seeds out one year, and the second year they grow the seeds from those seeds. 
but the third year they don't do it. So, mm. yeah. And that's getting pollinated by anything. So, um, yeah, it's all a bit, it's, it's just hash production, isn't it? That's, that's, that's another thing, I suppose, when you start going legal, we, we move away from that sort of thing. Yeah, it's a bit crazy. So, unrelated? Oh, uh, no, kind of related. I don't know. Do you plan to make a variety of other feminized seeds or just kind of the the one-off clone here and there that really proves itself? Yeah, no, I want to make some more feminized seeds because um, people want the, those um, orange turps, sort of mandarin turps in feminized seeds. And like I said before... I can probably see them grow, being grown out in Morocco and things like this. Like um, like you said, tangy. There's so much tangy over there and stuff like this. So, Another little indoor type of question. What's your prediction for the future of the lighting technology? Um, I can see a lot more people going over towards uh, LEDs. I think... Um, just for power consumption and stuff like this. Um, but, yeah, like I said before, though, I've been using Gavitas, but I'll probably change um, soon. I'm looking into a few different ones at myself at the moment. Uh, Lumitech, things like that. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what I go for in the end. Okay, so a bit of a hot topic at the moment in the community, but how do you feel about the idea of patenting genetics and strains within the industry, and how do you kind of think this would work in regards to your own work? I think patenting anything in this day and age is all bullshit, to be honest. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, it's it's a plant at the end of the day. So, and if someone buy buy the seeds off you, um, or if we're talking clones, it all depends what you're talking. But yeah, I think it's going to be a very hard thing. What you're going to have a court case over it. It's just yeah, just more unneeded stress. I think. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you one other question about when you're in India. Did you at any point kind of think of any modern hybrids where you thought this would do well here? Yeah, but I think if yeah, I wouldn't want to take anything there, and then you know that they would start growing it, yeah? and you know they would save the seeds from it. Yeah? So I think taking anything there would sort of destroy their genetics. I think keeping it as it is is the best way, um, and not to take anything there. Um, but I think a lot of things would do well there. Yeah. Oh yeah, I meant more like theoretically. Like, is there any clones in your library that you like? just could off the top of your head be like yeah that'd do well there Persang Haze the Persang Haze from Sonic I think um, I worked with that line a bit and a field full of that up there would be absolutely amazing yeah wow so what do you feel about the idea of kind of these genetically modified strains to have like specific cannabinoid and terpene profiles um, in, in what way genetically modified like proper genetically modified you're talking about yeah um, I don't know I don't think there's any need for it I think we can, we can do it all with 
selection, time and space. Yeah. It's already happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's not something that I, 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 I would uh, agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how it all plays out. Um, so I did want to ask one question about the cup. I should have asked it earlier. You know how we kind of implied like some cups, it's kind of pay to play or pay to win. How would you feel if at one of those cups that you really thought was kind of like, you know, you got to pay to get somewhere, turn, like you just won. Like would it kind of like restore your faith in the competition? We'd be like, oh, I guess it's not rigged. Yeah, it would probably change my opinion. What I tend to see is like, third place tends to be the real sort of like the winner and the first two are the people that have like paid the most for um sponsorship or whatever but yeah if if that happened yeah i'd be uh i thought i'd have to look at it a little bit differently something i wanted to ask you what's the weirdest plant mutation you've ever seen um i think one that i see a lot is like um you know the flat stem thing yeah, yeah, plant fasciation. Yeah, that's it. Um, that where you get like the almost like the mohawk style bud at the top, or like four stems where there should be two and stuff like this. But I've seen a lot of like where you get the bud growing from the middle of the leaf. Yeah. Um, the I seen one recently. I think it was DNA Genetics put it up, and it was like a leaf with like actually on the actual leaves not in the center of the leaf, on the leaves itself, there was little budlets coming out. So a little calyx is growing from that. So um, I've, I've, I recently had a male with a male parts growing from the center of the leaf. Um, there was some guys growing uh, one line. I can't remember. Oh, Freak Show. Okay, it was called Freak Show. I don't know if you've seen this one. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah. That one was absolutely crazy, but I've never come across anything like that myself. Um, I've had things come out similar to like the duck's foot, where they have that like webbing almost on the leaves. Um, and yeah, I think they're the sort of main mutations that I've come across. Yeah, definitely. Just in, in case anyone wasn't aware of that freak show thing, you can go look it up. But what I found most interesting was it actually, that plant, and I think there was a male or two that also had similar traits. It actually came from a pack of coastal seeds. Shout out Bob and the crew over there. And it was like a, a what was it? Big Sur hybrid. So I was like, oh, that's interesting because Big Sur is like a weird one already. Like some people think it's kind of auto flowering, even though it's like a photo period one. So maybe we need to push some of these weird genetics a bit harder. Yeah. Um, I spoke to those guys with the freak show, but they're working that line themselves, um, doing some stuff. So it'd be interesting to pop some of those seeds. Um, I think definitely people need to, when they find that, maybe work it a little bit more. So they... So it actually becomes a little bit of a unusual line. Um, I think that's just more for like, just the, the fun and educational side of things that I would like to do that. Maybe it can have a place where it can be grown where people don't want the typical leaves to be seen. I think maybe that's the only, I think, uh, purpose that it could be used for really. Yeah, like a better version of Australian Bastard Cannabis, the ABC, because I'm pretty confident this uh, freak show one's probably got a better high. 
Yeah, they were saying it's got some nice terps to it as well. So, But I can see a lot of people wanting to buy that still, you know, just to grow it out. Yeah, something something that our inspector from CSI has taught me is that as little commercial value as some of these mutations may have, they're still very interesting and worth preserving and trying to progress because who knows what's locked inside and which may be of use later on. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Anybody that collects seeds, I'm sure they'd want to buy a packet maybe to put in their library or something like this. Yeah, or as we were talking at last time, they uh, collect a pack to test and it ends up in the library. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. So, do you feel like viruses specific to cannabis are going to increase given, you know, the large-scale commercialization that's going to occur throughout the world in the coming years? Yes, that will happen. Um, I think breeding maybe more resistant strains and stuff like that. One thing I've been even looking into is, like, breeding a line that's... Uh, uh, can produce the same amount and same growth rates on less water and less nutrients. So, like almost like an eco weed, I think that'll be maybe something for the future. Yeah, right. It was almost like trying to get that uh, trait out of hemp and put it back into the medicinal cultivar. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So there's always like I think, um, like you said, the, the commercial thing is always going to bring more. Uh, problems and those problems will become resistant to things that people use and yeah stronger so harder to get rid of in the end which is a which will be a big problem I can see so with that being said if you were given the opportunity to grow a field of say lilt or mandarina in the Moroccan Rift Valley would you capitalize on it or would it be a hard pass um I think People are gonna buy the seeds anyway, um, so uh, whether they buy them from Morocco or Spain, the seeds get sold. Um, I've yeah, they've already done some mandarina Kush out there, and what else was it? Orange soda, and uh, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, gingerbread. So there's been a few things growing out there, and people send me photos and stuff like this. So yeah. Interesting. And, and how would you predict that it would change the uh, the overall effect of those plants? Because earlier on you mentioned that, um, you know, when you got some seeds from the uh, the mountains and grew them back here, they were much more kind of squat and indica-like compared to when they're in the mountains. So in the reverse situation, how do you think your plants would come out when grown there? Do you think they'd be more sativa or, yeah, give us your ideas? Yeah, a little bit, but they they... Uh, the gingerbread's a little bit more indica in structure anyway the other ones are a bit more sativa but the terpenes um, yeah they retain the terpenes so well with the conditions that they grow them and dry them and all of this sort of stuff so it uh, puts up with those conditions and makes some of the best hash that's come out of there like yeah I think one of the guys got the first place in the Monsters Cup in the Spanabis last year so, yeah, amazing hash. Amazing hash gets produced from there. So what strain so far that you've been able to experience makes the best hash? Uh, the gingerbread and the orange soda. The orange soda from La Colada, they, it was some amazing hash, amazing hash. I really enjoyed that. 
Yeah, wow. And then, so what are kind of some of the old school strains of yesteryear that you'd like to see come back? The Afghanis, they're coming back already. I'm seeing so many people growing them. So um, we're going to see a lot more old school hash plants, I think, coming back these coming years. Um, and I even can see some of the old sativas coming back just because of the high that they produce. Because, uh, yeah, something special in them. So I can see uh, the sativas coming back, some of the maybe like old African stuff. Do you think that it's arguably inevitable that we do move towards a more sativa-orientated customer base within the community, given that, of course, depressants in general, alcohol, opioids, there's a huge market for them. But when I look at things globally, it seems like overall more people worldwide are kind of into stimulants than into depressants. Yeah, I think a lot of people that I know like the more indicas just because they use it to relax um they use it to chill out um maybe get into like artwork and stuff like that it puts you into like more sort of meditative sort of state um but i really like the the sativas as well like i just enjoy them for the daytime and i find that i can like really get into anything that i'm doing whether it be in the garden or in the house creating something or cooking or anything. I'll just really get fully into it with, this, with the sativas. So what's your favourite sativa? Well, from, from my lines at the moment, like I like the, the high from the lil. It's such a sort of beautiful um, up high. Um, really sort of gets mind-flowing, creative. Um yeah, but from the past, um, I, I, I like Sonic's Persang Haze. That, for me, sort of just was such a, a beautiful smoker, enjoyable, um, such like a pie again, sort of gets the, the mind thinking. Yeah, really, really nice one. Yeah, cool. So I wanted to talk to you about hazes. Like what it, like the term haze is used as a general term because obviously not every haze has the original haze or even necessarily a derivative haze in it. Do you just feel like haze is kind of a term for like a few land race sativas kind of doing their thing together? Um yeah, I think haze now is, is seems to be a, any sativa that smells a certain way with this like hazy spicy sort of smell that people sort of associate with um but yeah i find um like a lot of things have that similar sort of spice but they're more on that dry side and so yeah they vary yeah, that, that terpene profile is so common isn't it that haze one and i remember being able to smoke some of uh what was it the c5 haze with Bodhi, and the first thing that came to mind when i exhaled is i was like who would have thought you know c5 haze tastes like haze <laughs> yeah this is a, it's um what was the one i was smoking a bit of uh, c4 i think it was is there a c4 i'm not sure it could could well be but yeah there's there's quite a few different ones but like they all have that underlining yeah, haze, terpene. It's almost like a spiced thing. That's how I would describe it. Yeah, yeah, more more spiced than just a pure mango thing. But when you smell it, you you immediately kind of go, yeah, this is where it all delineates from, right? 
Yeah. You you see that smell in so many like different land races as well. Yeah. Um, I've come across that in, in so many different lines uh, from like Caribbean and Colombian, a lot of Colombian stuff over that way and South American stuff I've smelled it from. Yeah, okay. South American, that's one that hasn't really been too delved into. Is that something you're looking to explore at all? What, a little trip to South America? Ah, if it needs to happen, it's got to happen, right? Yeah, we'll be talking about a trip to Afghanistan. So, um, Afghan oh, Black Honey, uh, Black, uh, yeah, he's he's saying, come out there. Alex is well up for it from Land Race Legacy. So, yeah, there might be a little... Afghanistan mission going on yeah true that's right because like when when we're at the Emerald Cup and I was talking to a few different people along with Alex from Land Race Legacies um, it was interesting because they were I think it was actually Kagyu who was saying to me oh you know this guy's got a British passport he can go to Afghanistan he kind of made the point you know it's a lot harder for US guys to go there so maybe we need to get our butts over there and make it happen yeah um I think I'll stand out quite a bit over there. This is my only worry. Um, and uh, speaking to my daddy, his first uh, reaction was, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for anyone who's not aware, Banana Man's got a pretty comprehensive amount of tattoos. <laughs> okay. So what's a kind of one of the more old school breeders whose work you really admire? I like the work that um, DJ Shorts has done with uh, all of his like stuff. Um, I like the fact that like all, all the sort of like the flow, the blueberry stuff like this, they were all really good lines. And his breeding style, I think, w- was was quite um, interesting to read about, especially at a younger age. Did you ever read any of the articles where he spoke about? selecting males while on psychedelics no i haven't actually that no that one that one would be quite interesting because i think this is a big thing for me like on on mushrooms and even on like um small amounts of uh dmt and but repeatedly smoking and going in like yeah they it's almost like the plants speak to you yeah and these uh substances guide you so yeah, it's going to be interesting to have a read on them. You'll have to send me some links. Yeah, man, I'll dig it up for you. But I guess a pertinent question to ask is our friend um, Afghan Black Honey Kush, he's come up a few times. Do you know if he plans to do seed increases or he's more of just like an awesome contact? No, I can imagine there are going to be some seed releases going on and I can imagine um, Himalayan connection. Um... He's going to be probably doing some nice seed releases. I think he's got one going on right at the moment, which are a lot of the some of the Afghan seeds and stuff like this. So yeah, they're they they're going on now at the moment. Yeah, awesome. And and how do you feel that'll affect the community having access to these pure land races? Um, I think it's going to really help the community. I think it's going to be a really good educational tool for for people um and yeah uh I've, it's just like a dream almost so like if i had access to some real afghan genetics when 
I was younger, direct from the farmer from Afghanistan. Like, that's pretty an amazing thing. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I feel you. So, you mentioned Bubba Kush already as, you know, one of kind of the old school clones you're a fan of. What other old school clones struck a chord with you, whether you have them or not? The SFV, I really enjoyed that one. Crowberry, that's something that we used to have. It was just some seeds that came over. It was on the forum uh, days. And a guy called Monkey had done a selection. And that was a real special plant, the crowberry. Um, what else do I have? Um, some real nice things. The Lemon Larry, Lemon Larry OG. That was a real nice special one. And the East Coast Sour Diesel, always, always such an amazing plant. And flavor yeah so i think those ones from from uh back in the day of the clones on the forum times yeah crowberry i've never heard of that what's what's inside that one genetically okay it's um uh granddaddy purple crossed with blackberry i'm sure i'd have to double check that but um I ended up using it. See, look, memory get, goes as you get older. Um, I used it for the Smurfberry cross. Um, and, yeah, just such an amazing plant to grow. And, like, it would taste absolutely amazing down to the roach with this, like, sort of berry smell, with that typical purple sort of um, taste in the background. Like, purple weed has a certain sort of Serpino most so it was like with that with this more berry tone going on but yeah so many people grew that out it was such, such a good plant so what do you think will be basically the next major flavor profile to take a hold on the scene i think people fruity stuff um people seem to really be liking the lilt at the moment um, and I'm seeing more people bringing out pineapple sort of things so I can see maybe the, the pineapple turp coming, coming back um, yeah I think that might be a new one to come back round I see everything coming back round in circles it seems it, it's like fashion right like I remember it seems like gas strains of like kind of snuck back in but are also kind of sneaking out and I'm waiting for the fruity stuff to come back I love that I've got to agree with Gooey Breeder on that one that's where I think it's at yeah yeah fruity definitely that's where I'm at as well I think the fruity stuff's coming back um, I think like everybody that's growing this lilt at the moment it's like I was so surprised with the smell myself when I found that 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 pheno like I was literally just dancing in the room I was just like wow this is amazing and I just kept going back smelling it and like it's so nice to get those messages off people they're just like wow I've never smelled anything like this or this is like just pure tropical juice papaya people are saying one person was saying he smells like cream and uh, strawberries with pineapple and I'm just like wow this is yeah this is, that's, this, this is the tip that people are loving yeah, definitely. Okay. So, what do you think about the rise of the vape pens? You know, we've seen that glorious South Park episode calling it the pussy sticks. 
Um, how do you feel? It seems to me like it's the bridge between the everyday Joe who's not really a consumer and our community, so to speak. Do you feel like it's a good or a bad thing? Yeah, I think um, there's a, it's, a lot of people are going to use them just because it's just so easy to use um, for the normal everyday person. Um, yes. But I think a lot of shitty materials being used for them um, because I'm seeing if anything's really nice in flower form, it's being sold as flower or maybe make it into extract or the really nice extract are using really nice flower and then the lower grade extract are using not so good flower and then it just goes down, down and down and then there seems to be like the shittiest stuff is being used for edibles and these uh, carts and stuff like that. I'm seeing so many of the carts just not passing tests in America. So, yeah. Education again, education. So, I think a lot of the issues stemming from those carts relates to people buying the actual uh, housing units, the plastic and the um, the little cartridges themselves from China. And there's, you know, a plethora of associated issues with that. Do you think that essentially this is inevitable given that people selling these carts are looking to make money their game is profits, despite the fact they may try to claim it's all about the patients. How do you think you deal with this conundrum? Um, yeah, um, I think more testing and stuff like that. Um, like you're saying, then if they're buying the carts from China and they're releasing all those toxins into the stuff, yeah. <sighs> Like, yeah, people just, it's, it's more education, more research into these things and maybe some more guidelines that people need to be like sticking to when they are making these products for a legal market. How do you feel people can ascertain whether the person they're buying off really has their best interest in mind? Do you think it's just like you have to know someone for a while? Yeah, this is where like it goes back to the whole thing of... Um, going to a farmer's market or going to a shop um, like big companies are only interested in profit uh, most of these carts are being made just for pure profit so I think there you go it, it says it there basically so most of these companies are more interested in profit than the people themselves Um so yeah, talking about it more, I think, with other people. This is where like forums come into thing. Again, it's a place that we can discuss these topics openly with lots of people and maybe get somewhere from that. Yeah, okay. Um, so kind of an extension of that idea of the vape pens and whatnot, how do you feel about the introduction of non-cannabis derived terpenes to cannabis or even the reintroduction? Do you feel like this idea of removing and then adding back is deleterious to the overall effect? Yeah, it's not something that, um, I've really looked into at all. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's something that we should be doing. I don't think there's any need for using non-cannabis derived terpenes. Um, or if you are, what is the reason? Is it just for the flavor or is it because those terpenes have a medicinal use as well? 
So, like, I think a lot more research needs to be done in this area, um, especially about terpenes. I think that's going to be something for the future. Like, um, I think they play a massive role in healing, in um, um, many other forms, the high it creates. So, yeah, more testing needs to be done, definitely. Yeah, I, I mean, something which kind of opened my eyes a little bit is that I, everyone always knows that terpenes play some sort of modulatory role with cannabis, you know, because a weed with terpenes gets you really high. That same weed that's been in a cupboard for months and it's lost all the terpenes, it's just not the same. And, you know, the presumable implication is that, you know, the terpenes are the thing which is causing the main change. And then you realize that, uh, THC itself is actually a terpene by definition and to me that really linked it all together a whole lot more you know and I don't think many people are aware of that yeah um, no this is it like education on this subject um, and sharing all this knowledge needs to be done on a more sort of like regular basis because um, there's so much to learn about this plant and it's only the start because we're only now being able to do the things that we want to do. Um, I'm still struggling where I am, um, but still there are places that we can have things tested. Um, but America, uh, they're going to be able to do so many different things now, now that it's opened up how it has. Yeah, of course, of course. So, do you think that with the commercialization of things we've been talking about, that there's going to be this increasing tendency to kind of intellectualize breeding and that the idea of using a lab to do it will just become the common and people using first principles to select a male is just going to go out the window? Um, yeah. Um, I think a lot of the, maybe some of the other companies will maybe go down this line or like... Um, I don't know if it was you on a, one of your other interviews was talking about uh, a computer generated breeding program. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it going down that, those lines and stuff, but we'll, we'll see how, how, how they do um, and what they make uh, from doing it that way. Um, I think it's all going to be very interesting, but um, yeah. I don't know if they can... I think his breathing is a little bit of art as well as science. You know, with that being said about the old ways of breeding, you know, using your nose and not so much relying on the uh, the labs, how long would you be willing to work a line before you call it quits? Let's just say you made Lilt and there was something about it you weren't happy with and you're like, all right, I'll just, I'll just work it for a generation or two. I'll fix that up. And it kind of doesn't come, you know, at least not in one or two generations. At what point would you be like, look, this has just been too much of a time sink? Um, um, yeah, if, if it's not doing what I wanted to after a couple of generations, then I'd probably scrap that line. If, um, if it was like um, a, a certain taste, say, I was looking for, and it, I was only getting a certain percentage, I could maybe still release it, but explain that you're only going to get 50% of this type of pheno 
um, and this one, and you might get this one, or maybe we used to do this on 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 Breed Bay anyway. Like we'd fill out a, a little form and explain like how many phenos of this type and stuff like that. So maybe like a little bit more of that should be done anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, I I understand. So, um, do you feel like this plays into the idea of why people have this tendency to release F ones? Like it seems like not many people are working lines further, and there's obviously a commercial reason for that because it takes time and money, and you're not exactly evenly compensated. Like a strain that goes through several generations of work doesn't go necessarily for like three or four times the cost of an F1. How do you think we combat that? Because there seems to be a like a want for people to, like, you know, the consumers want breeders to work the lines to stabilize them more. But at the same time, if the financial compensation isn't there, how do we encourage it? Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a hard one. Like, um, for me, yeah, it's, it's time. So I've been making a lot more F1s and releasing them. Um, but during that, I will work some other lines and, yeah, take the time to do it. But I, I'm not, I don't get any more uh, price on the seeds. If anything, my more work lines are cheaper than my F1 lines. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, do you feel like maybe the introduction of a standardized seed pricing model would be a benefit to the community in that, you know, everyone sells F1s for around this price, everyone sells F2s for around this price, and it enforces, like, both a floor and a ceiling to the pricing? Yeah, it'd be interesting. But um, I think the seed market, the pricing is so varied at the moment. Um, I've increased some prices, like the cherry spice, because... The amount of the seeds that it produces is just like so little compared to other other things that I pollinate. So, um, like, I think that I've done it like this. So I've tried to work out which lines sort of cost me more to make or have done, and I've tried to do it like this. But um, yeah, it varies so much. And then you've got other people just charging five hundred. Six hundred dollars for a packet that's just built on hype. So, a pricing would be interesting to see what people um, come up with. Yeah, all right. Let's let's delve into this. Let's get a little bit feisty. So, Cookie Fam with that candy rain, they still haven't fixed anyone up for those issues they had, and I'm sure you're well aware of this, given the UK is pretty well in the grips of the hype market. How do you feel about that sitch? Yeah, okay. So you may have to explain a little bit to me as well. Who made the Candy Rain exactly? Was that Jigger? Yeah, see, I don't know. I heard rumours that it was Canarado. Right, okay, okay, okay. At, at least he got dragged into it when people were asking for refunds. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm not too sure. But that's all just crazy again, isn't it? It's all built on hype. And they've totally released something without testing it. And, yeah, people have been left a bit very disappointed, I suppose. Yeah, okay. So, do you feel there's an onus on $500 F1 packs to replace seeds if they don't germinate? Yeah, I think, I think um, things have happened in the past 
when we were online. I think it was a IC Mac. This was on, or maybe one of the other forums. Um, but somebody had made a line. I won't go into like who it was and stuff like that. But somebody had made a line, and they were auto flowering for some reason because when they were testing them, they they tested them as seeds and just put them into flower without vegging them too much. So, um, and that guy replaced people's seeds and made the effort to do that. So I think, I think, yeah, it's it's you, you need to stick stick by your product. Yeah? So if if you've made a mistake, try to um, give something back to the people that have put money in your pocket. Yeah, for sure. So I mean, I feel like I've already dug this hole, so I may as well keep digging. Would you ever buy some Cookie Fam seeds? No, um, I could never pay for that price. If they gave me a pack for free, I might pop them just to see what they were like. And so how do you feel about the idea of these crews who can't even necessarily prove the uh, the clear lineation of them creating the seeds, having parental stock, etc., releasing seeds because from my perspective you know and and i'll caveat this by saying any anyone from cookie family wants to come on the show hit me up dude but um but with that being said you know there's no clear evidence to me that like this wasn't a mistake so the idea that they're now releasing seeds under the guise of like oh well we made this it's like did you really and uh, the seeds you're releasing are they going to be any good even yeah um i think it's just some I, I know people personally that bought a packet and stuff like this. Like, um, it was, it's just unbelievable, and it's just all built on that 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 hype again, and people get sucked into it. We see it with so many other things, um, with other products that you buy that you it's not a superior product, but you're buying it because of the name on it. If you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I feel you. So, just to kind of uh, get ourselves out of this hole quickly, but equally kind of controversial, how would you react and how would you feel if someone, you know, kind of put a post up on Instagram and it was like, oh, I've got S1s for sale soon of Mandarina, of Lilt, of Persang Haze, you know, all of these strains. Like, how would that make you react? Um yeah like an s1 um yeah it's a little i think that would be a little bit too much but to be totally honest i don't even think it'd bother me i i i don't let too much bother me nowadays um so um but i can understand like if someone's say my mandarina someone's s1 did um I'm sure they did that in Morocco to be honest you know and grew up the seeds and grew up the seeds and grew up the seeds. So, and someone asked me the other day, could they um, feminize and make an orange soda for somebody that wants the seeds? And I'm just like, well, to be honest with you, it's probably something that I'm going to remake myself at some time. I've had a few people make things that I might was thinking of sort of making, and they've done the cross from seeds that they bought and stuff like that. But... It's not going to be like how I would make it anyway because of my selections. Like you, you can give someone the same ingredients, but will they sort of cook the same meal? Like, yeah, so it doesn't really matter too much. But then I like to see that as well. I like to see people use my genetics and maybe make something of their own from them 
by crossing something together. So, um, yeah, I've seen it a lot. A few people have been using the cherry spice. A few people have started using the lilt with some crosses. So, yeah, um, it's, it's, it's nice to see them being used and that they they think they're good enough to use compared to everything else that they've been growing, which is really good. But they've grown them out. It's like I see people just crossing stuff, wanting to cross stuff together before they've even grown them out, which just doesn't even make sense to me. So at least they're doing some selection. Yeah, it's weird people not doing that selection. But just to, to link back to your other point, our, our mutual buddy, Organically Enhanced, he, he made some crosses with his cherry spice keeper he found. I think he even used some Mac pollen, which definitely going to create an interesting cross. But perfect segue to my next question. Thanks for bringing it up. Save me a bunch of effort. How do you feel about other companies using your work in their crosses? Like, do you feel overall it's a positive or sometimes it can be detrimental? Yeah, it's ne- it's never really been a problem for me. Um, like, say now somebody uses the mandarina in the cross and someone does grow that out and they like that turp, then they'll want to grow out the real mandarina because you find so many different phenos in the mandarina like that, but some better, some some like more sweet, some more sour. So, like, I think people are always going to go to the original once they find something that they like from the crosses. Um, so yeah it's never really been a problem for me um, but yeah it all depends if you're if you're worried about take them taking business from you yeah I think that's going to happen anyway people are going to buy seeds from elsewhere that taste like orange yeah but if it's got mandarina in it or it hasn't got mandarina in it so yeah yeah okay so what is the end goal of Trichome Jungle Seeds? I know it's a bit of a broad question, but I mean, do you kind of plan to do like a bit of a Bodhi and start another seed company for kind of alternative releases that wouldn't maybe otherwise fit under the banner of Trichome Jungles? Or is it just to kind of stick to what you've already got and you would just kind of do whatever you want within that context? There might be another company working with some other people, um, which will be um, maybe based in the Caribbean. Um, but myself i'll do like different lines like the cherry spice and lilt were part of the finest selections um the i've got a few other new things coming up um so like i'll definitely make new like my standard lines would be i would say um mandarina jungle kush mantis things like this and then i had a bunch of lines that were like a feminized line and then I stopped making them. Then I did the rose water cookie line. I stopped making them. Um, I've worked the rose water cookie by itself now, which is the which is the real. Um, and then I did the finest selection line. Um, I've s- dropped one of them. I might drop a couple more. We'll see. I'll, the cherry spice and a little are just becoming very popular, so I probably will continue to make them. Um, and then I'll look for something else. I just, there's so many things that I need to work through and so many different flavors and things like, uh, it's just time again. I need a big, big space and a couple of years and yeah, um, be blowing some minds with, uh, the flavors and things. Yeah. Okay. So 
I've got a random question I wanted to ask. Um, so, what's your favorite food? Food. Um, okay. Uh, I eat a lot of avocados. Um, Fuck yeah. And papaya. Papayas. I love papaya. Um, but like here where I am, you, you can get lots of papaya that's grown here. Lots of avocados. Um, yeah, so it's absolutely amazing for that. Um, but my diet is a vegan-based sort of diet, yeah, all plants. Um, so, yeah. So, another little random question. What's your favourite music? And I hope you have a soft spot for UK grime. Yeah, I, I do. I, I do. Like, there's a few UK... Um, artists that I like from sort of like the hip hop type scene and stuff like this. I, I, I like Loki, but he's a little bit more political and stuff like that. But my music is so varied, like Prodigy. I love Prodigy and he he passed away the other day. Yeah, that's so, sad. So yeah. Um but like I'll listen to anything from Psy Trance to uh mantras and Buddhist chants and I don't know rock music to uh, hip hop. There you go. That's 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 how varied my music is. Oh, dude, I'm gonna have to send you a link to the the DJ mix Bodhi gave me. It's fucking great. Okay, yeah, definitely, definitely. I'll be well up for listening to that. Hell yeah. So, get us back on topic for a minute. Um, do you have any plans to do any kind of specific feminized releases? So, like a, a range of F1 feminized seeds or not overly? Yes, there will be some more feminized seeds being released at some point. Um, I'm going to try and make a feminized lilt um, and a few other lines just so they can people other people can try them. So many people want feminized seeds, and I'd love them to be able to try this, like the little and the tropical. So, yeah, definitely a few more feminized lines in the works. Yeah, cool. And do you feel like when you feminize things, you want to kind of reserve it for the things that really prove themselves, or would you be willing to do like an initial cross and release as a feminized line? Or do you, as I said, do you feel like it's reserved for stuff that's proven itself? Yeah, it all, it all depends in how it comes out in the testing. Um, and, um, like, I couldn't I couldn't release the feminized mandarina that I made. Um, so, that, like, they were just producing um, hermaphrodites and stuff like this, so I wasn't happy with them. Um, but that was an S1. So I think if I used the two mandarinas that I have, instead of just using the one on one on itself um that would have worked out better but yeah i think um some things just don't work and just yeah other things uh we see how it works and yeah okay so how would you feel if you had a project you really wanted to release it you're getting some awesome results from the seeds but like let's just say one in every 30 or maybe one in every 40 seeds was like just a horrific hermaphrodite is that is that at the point where you'd be like nah I gotta you know 86 this or do you feel like it's the type of thing where you would just kind of want to be up front with that information and be like it's still worth it but you know just keep an ear, keep an eye out for that yeah I think if if you're gonna get like one hermaphrodite 
um, in a hundred seats. I don't see that as a major thing, um, especially if you're using certain things like, we'll say, cherry pie, for instance. Um, I see it a lot with crosses of um, cherry pie uh, strains. Um, but I find like they'll, it's not even like a proper hermaphrodite. Sometimes it'll be just like a male bit that you pick off and you don't see any more after that. So um, I think it's going to be something that you see. I think things with sour diesel in it is another thing that you'll, it will spring up. Um, so, but the cherry pie has been an interesting one. I'm seeing like almost like Bubba Kush, like LA Affy type traits coming out from a lot of these like cherry pie crosses um, and stuff like this. Yeah, okay. And so, I mean, cherry pie is a great example because it's one of those ones where even when people are growing it just for the bud, um, people will comment, you know, oh, you get a few little nanas on the lower branches. Maybe they're not getting enough light. Maybe there's something else at play. Do you feel like these clones are still worthwhile breeding with or kind of that issue I mentioned is a bit problematic in the grand scheme of things? Um, it can be problematic in the grand scheme of things. Um, it can mess up someone's whole grow, really. Um, but I think if people are uh, aware that these genetics sort of, there is that chance of them doing it. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. See, some of them are just like, what I tend to do is try and find a cherry pie cross and select from that, which don't have the hermaphrodite tendencies and then work from there. So I do a lot of my stuff from seeds and not the original clone. So I'll make sure that the, like cherry pie and Girl Scout cookies is the are the parents, and then from the selection find the plant that doesn't show any of those traits that you don't want, and work from that. So that's where I would go down the line of doing. Try and find the terpene that you want without the other traits. For sure. Okay, so we're on to our last little quick fire questions. So. Hopefully, we're not doubling up too much, but maybe some things have changed since we last talked. But first off, what is the best smoke you've had recently that comes to mind? Um, sour Neo and Cherry Spice, which I'm really enjoying at the moment, yeah. Do you try many stuff outside of your own or not often? Um, yes, out of some of the new stuff. So, uh, the Skittles, I've got to try all the new, like, American elite stuff. Um, the Skittles, the Gelato, um, Runts, um, a few other different ones, Lemon Tree, all of these. So, yeah, um, I've got to try all them. I really enjoyed the Skittles. Um, that was a real nice, um, flavour to it. So I'd like to work that line maybe into some of my things. That'd be quite interesting, I think. Okay. And I'm sure you probably copped wind of it. You know, a few months back, just before December, we had a big kind of kerfuffle in the industry about how the Big Owl Mac $100.8s were selling and people weren't too happy about that. How do you feel about that and the emergence of this premium cannabis market? Yeah, well, it's the same in, in Barcelona, to be honest. Like, I think that's what Skittles and stuff like that sells for, like, basically. Um, it's like 100 euros and for three grams or something like this. Fuck, even more than America. 
Yeah, yeah. It's coming from probably places like that. So there you go. So, um, yeah, crazy prices, absolutely crazy prices. Okay. Yeah, so- I've even seen in Amsterdam. You go to Amsterdam and they've got it on the menu there for like 40 euros a gram and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you feel about the culture of import Cali? You know, do you feel like it's destructive to the local producers, so to speak? No, I think if, if something's coming at that higher price, selling for that higher price, then maybe local growers get a little bit better price. I think it's when um, people start coming in and selling like really like shit extract because there's so much extract in America now made from like just crap and stuff like this that's going for so cheap like then that comes over to places like Spain and that brings the prices right down I think that can affect things maybe yeah okay and then just to kind of wrap up our little hype section what's the most overhyped strain that gets sold for lots of money most overhyped strain like I've heard I haven't had it myself so I'll give that caveat but I've heard like runts and grunts and all that stuff's like not that great um runts itself the one that I tried was was quite nice um but then I suppose it's batch dependent the purple punch that I tried was was very lacking yeah purple punch um not all that some of the gelatos, some of them weren't even that that nice. It all, but then it all depends, you know, who who's grown it and stuff like this. But I think anything that's that sort of price is overpriced. Uh, I tried some Mac. That was that was nice, but then I had another one that wasn't that good. So it all depends again who grows it or if it's from the seed or if it's a clone. Yeah, definitely right. I remember the 2017 Emerald Cup, Capulator gave me some Mac, phenomenal, probably standout weed of that Emerald Cup. And then, yeah, I had some grown by a, a good grower, admittedly it was outdoors, but um, looked amazing, organic, sun-grown, just ticked all the boxes. But then when I tried it, it just wasn't anywhere near as good at all. So maybe it comes down to like the grower. I mean, obviously Cap's going to grow some pretty darn good Mac. Yeah, I think that that's going to play a big role. Um, like you said, then I I wasn't impressed with it, but then I've spoke to other people and they're like, "Nah, it's 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 absolutely amazing." So, um, yeah, I, it must must depend. Yeah. Okay. So outside of the hype strains, what's one of the you know most lackluster samples you've tried in recent memory? Um. something that I've enjoyed in Spain oh something you haven't enjoyed like for example what's kind of the worst yeah what's what's the worst strain you've ever had okay 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 sorry Um, worst one recently I'm going to say that purple punch was really lacking because I expected it to be much nicer with the hype yeah there's lots of things like that have been lacking from a lot of the like Spanish seed companies that I've seen. But yeah. Yeah, okay. So, one of my favourite ones, Desert Island question. You can take three strains with you and you've got an infinite supply of them. You don't have to worry about growing them or anything like that. So, which three strains are you taking with you? Um, Lilt, Sour Neo, and the Cherry Spice. 
suppose three from mine. So I've got something sour, something gassy, something fruity, and I'd probably miss the mandarina. Oh, poor mandarina. It's still got a spot in our hearts. Yeah, it's because I've smoked too much of it now, I think. I miss it after a few weeks. So. <laughs> Almost a little bit of tangy syndrome. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Alrighty, so final question for the interview. What is your next strain coming out that you're most excited about? Um, Salonia. There you go. I've mentioned it quite a few times now. Um, Yeah, really enjoying that one. And um, looking forward to see what comes from the Afghan crosses that I've just done. Yeah, actually, no, let's slide an extra question in for good measure. Now that you've got your Afghan landrace seeds, I believe last time we spoke, I asked you, you know, if you could go anywhere, collect some landrace seeds, what would you do? And I think you said Afghan. So now that you got them, what's next on the list of stuff that you don't have that you'd love to get? Yeah, um, it's crazy how that happened, actually, how you asked that question. And then we were going to India and my mate called me and he's like, there's a guy from Afghanistan, he's coming and he's bringing some real Afghan seeds with him. It was just all crazy how it happened. So let me see. Let's see if I can put it out there and get the next one. Um, some Iranian seeds, some oh, some Persian seeds, Iranian Persian. That would be nice. Oh, God, yes. I've had the pleasure of trying um, Australian Bodhi's Iraqi, which is, you know, they say it's probably Persian and God, it's like a bakery. It's just, it's amazing. You smoke this plant and you could be fooled into being told that it's like just a cookie cut. Like it's incredible. Yeah, that's it. That sounds, that sounds, that sounds like my cup of tea, that, yeah. Hell yeah. Well, I think that just about brings us to the end of it. Did you have any shout outs or comments you wanted to make? Um... Yeah, I'd like to shout out everybody that I went to India with. Uh, Landrace Legacy, um, Indian Landrace Exchange, Sonic, Sonic Seeds, uh, Himalayan Connection, um, Afghan Kush Black Honey, yeah, um, and uh, Ekati uh, Labs, all those guys, yeah, amazing guys. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Banana Man, for taking the time to join us and for sharing all the knowledge with us. No, thank you. It's always enjoyable talking with you guys. Thank you. So what do y'all think? Pretty good, wasn't it? I thought so. Thanks for hanging around if you made it this far. Big thank you to our Patreon fans as always. If you want to hear more, get on that Patreon. There's a few extra little things for you. As always, Seeds here now, best in the business. Organic Gardening Solutions, 420 Australia. We love them. Oh yeah, that dragonfly, don't forget. Big love for everyone. See you next time. We'll see you.